the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and the challenges facing today's church. And we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Well, in anticipation of tomorrow, we want to wish all of you a blessed Resurrection Sunday. Tonight, we'll hold off on our series on strong delusions until next Saturday as Dr. Buckner brings us a special message as it relates to the resurrection. When we think about and meditate on the resurrection, have you ever thought of the resurrection as it relates to four G's? This is going to be a different and unique message that most of us have never heard before. So stay tuned here about what these four G's are all about, for we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, introduction, and we want to say happy resurrection to all of our listeners out there in Radio Land, and we trust that uh, Jesus will be lifted up in everything that you do so that men and women and uh, children will be drawn to him. Uh Brother Gary has laid out some important things in relationship to this message tonight, and my title is The Four G's as it relates to the resurrection. The Four G's as it relates to the resurrection. What a title, and I trust that this title will be an inspiration and encouragement to you as you listen to this message By way of introduction, uh, throughout the Bible, the 66 books of God, God talks about different types of G's, different types of G's. In the first book in the Bible, Genesis 1 and 1, says, in the beginning, God. Now, notice that's a G right there. In the beginning, God. In the first verse in the Bible, it mentions a G. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Here is a G mentioned in the first book of the Bible in the first verse. Another G is mentioned in the same chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31 It says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very, here's another G, good. And we trust that you are making notes of these important points. Another G in the New Testament, Jesus is called in John 10 and verse 11 and verse 14, the good Shepherd, here's another G, the good shepherd who giveth his life for the sheep. Now, this is a point that relates to uh, his death as well as his resurrection. He gives his life for the sheep. 
Now, by way of body, the body of this message, I can go on and on talking about all types of G's in the Bible. But my purpose tonight is to teach on the four G's as it relates to the resurrection. The four G's as it relates to the resurrection. A lot of people have never heard it put this way, and that's the thing that makes this word of God so unique. The first G is the Garden of Eden, or some has called it the Garden of Sin. When man was first created in the Garden of Eden, there was no sin. Matter of fact, uh, people hate this book so much, so many people, especially atheists, agnostics, and skeptics, that uh, if they can destroy the first five books of the Bible, especially Genesis, then they can try to get away with the fact that God has introduced to S, which is the first S, which is sin, and then sin stood in need of the second S, which is a savior. So if they can do away with the book of Genesis, which talks about the fall of man, then they can try to do away with the purpose of a Savior coming to save man from his sin. But this is the first G, the Garden of Eden and or the Garden of Sin. And this is where, at one point in this garden, man was without sin. And he was walking with God in his creation, naming the animals and having dominion over the garden, living in paradise without sin. And God told Adam to guard the garden, and he didn't. And he allowed an intruder to come into the Garden of Eden. And mankind fell into sin. And his relationship with God and his fellowship with God was broken. And mankind's fellowship and relationship with God is broken today as well without Jesus Christ. The big question is, Are you in a garden of sin still? Every man today has some type of garden that he's living in. And you need to take note of all these different gardens, and you need to make a decision on which one you want to live in. Because some people are still living in the garden of sin and because they haven't come to know the Savior. That's a critical point right there, an important point. The second G is the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, which here carries with it within these two words two G's. Notice the Garden of Gethsemane, which is called the Garden of Suffering. Jesus had a greater battle here than he did at the cross because a lot of people want to have a crown but you got to go through that cross first in order to have a crown, my friend. You see, because here in this Garden of Gethsemane, Satan did everything he could in distracting Jesus from and trying to divert Jesus from going to the cross. And uh, on that night of Jesus' arrest, Jesus led his disciples and followers to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, where he poured out his soul to the Father in prayer. We find this in Matthew 26, 
verses 36 through 46. And Jesus prayed and pleaded for the protection and unity of the immediate disciples and for all of us who would come to faith through their minute, through his ministry. We see this in John 17, verses 15 through 23. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then the angels appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. We see this in Luke 22. Make sure you get these scriptures. Luke 22, verses 41 through 44. Now, even though Jesus was sorrowful and deeply distressed, I believe by the enemy's attack we see in Matthew 26 and uh, 38, Jesus completely submitted himself to the Father's will after a period of intense prayer, and so must we submit ourselves to two vital things in the midst of the battle against Satan and the host of hell. We must submit to prayer, and we also, number two, must submit to the will of God and not our own wills. That's why Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And after Jesus experienced the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus went out to meet the great multitudes, and he came to be a rest. And Jesus, after the intense prayer to the Father and submitting to the will of God, he was ready and he was determined to endure the cross and was ready to the, 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 the spies and the shame, which is found in Hebrews 12 and 2. The third G is the Garden of Golgotha, the Garden of Golgotha. We see in John 19 and verse 41, the text says, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no man had yet laid. Now it is so fitting that our Lord Jesus would lay, be laid to rest in a garden, why? Because he is our rest. We find in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your soul. This garden of Golgotha became the garden of victory, because Jesus, our victorious king, came out of that garden grave, early Sunday morning, victoriously, and conquered death, sin, Satan, and the grave, and said, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go. Jesus, in that Golgotha garden, became victorious over death by the resurrection. And that's so powerful for us to see in the light of this uh, point. Now, the fourth and final G is the garden of eternal life, the garden of eternal life, which is the new recreation over again of paradise lost will be paradise found and a recreation of a new eternal garden of Eden. 
This fourth G is called the paradise restored of the Garden of Eden. It will be a new creation of the eternal life there where we see and we learn that God created a new heaven and a new earth. An example we find in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The word paradise in Greek means the garden of delight. The paradise of God is where there are no more tears, a city street, no more of death, suffering, sin, temptation, Satan, demons, flesh, and the world, paved with gold like transparent glass. We see, and say this in closing, we see in Revelation 21, verses 4 and 21, this garden of eternal paradise will be the new heaven and the new earth coming down from heaven. And it will contain more than, like the Jehovah's Witnesses say, 144,000. No, the Bible talks about there were all sorts of tribes and people and nations from all around. And you want to make sure that you be right with God and repent of your sins so you can be in this eternal garden Because Jesus said in John 14, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Now, he said, prepare a place for you. That means that he's coming back for prepared people. He that has an ear, let him hear what God has to say through the preacher about these four different G's. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to begin by saying a happy Resurrection Day to everyone. Um, We also want to thank all of you who have been diligently praying for Contending for the Faith. Without your prayers and financial support, we could never make it. We want to thank those who gave over the last two weeks, Bridget and CR, Charles, Jackie, Bruce, Camila, and Bomani. It costs us 400 a week to stay on the air. Uh, you don't want to turn on the radio on Saturday night and find out that we've gone due to lack of financial support. So if you have been blessed by this program and Dr. Buckner's teachings, you know, we want you to consider partnering with us financially. There's two ways you can give. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's send a check or a money order to Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Simply go onto your your computer, your laptop, your smartphone, and click, uh, go to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button. And away you go. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements. We always appreciate that, and it's just uh, good to always uh, be in the studio, and this is a a special time uh, of the uh, year, and I've noticed that uh, people uh, seem to celebrate uh, more energy and time and efforts 
around Christmas time than they do with the bodily resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, this is a wake-up call for us. You know, uh, we want to celebrate the fact that he uh, did come into the world, God uh, and man, but uh, we don't seem to put as much emphasis on this bodily resurrection thing and him coming from the dead. And and if we don't acknowledge that, uh, we are all most men miserable, as Paul says, and there is no hope for us. And so uh, we need to balance things out, and it's very in, important for us to come to grips with uh, this in our life. So uh, this is uh, a special time. We pray that uh, people will uh, come to grips with uh, who Jesus is, uh, preach, uh, teach this and preach it in our churches and help people to come to grips with uh, he is a risen Savior. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. And the thing that uh, separates Jesus from all the religions of the world is that, uh, you know, Muhammad is in the grave, Buddha is in the grave, Confucius is in the grave, and, uh, you know, humanity is in the grave. But Jesus came beyond that grave and said, because I live, you will live also. So there's no hope in believing in uh, all these false teachers. We need to come to grips with the real Jesus and follow him and obey him because he is the uh, the answer to all of our problems today, even when it comes to all of this stuff about gun control and border control. If we don't have God control, everything is going to be out of control. So uh, this is the bottom line to it all. Well, Brother Gary, let's uh, get to some of our callers. All right. Our first caller of the evening is Jermaine. Welcome to Contending for the Faith. How are you tonight, Jermaine? Oh, I'm doing very well. Well, it's good to hear your voice. How you been? I'm I'm good. I was uh, I'm a little under the weather, recovering, but uh, you know, just thanking the Lord for recovery, and I'm glad I recovered enough to give you guys a call. Mm-hmm. Well, Gary can relate to that. Yeah, buddy, I was down for a good five days with that thing, so I, yeah. I feel your pain, brother. I'll be praying with you for a speedily recover recovery because it's been a interesting time. I tell you. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Man. Yes, and we trust that you got encouraged by the word tonight. Oh, absolutely. It was wonderful and uh and very timely. Actually it leads into what I want to ask you know, you guys was uh about the resurrection of Christ. It seems like there's a lot of people who are actually attending churches who who don't really believe in the bodily res- resurrection. And I know some people where they're they're kinda curious and they're maybe unsure and I'm not going to judge what they actually believe, but can you really can you be a Christian and not believe in, in the resurrection of Christ? And, and I know a lot of them, I won't say it's their fault because they're just not taught like, like you guys teach, where you preach and you teach, where some of these people I know, they go to church and they just kind of go through the motions. But I just wanted to hear you guys' opinion on that tonight. Well, I think the uh, that's a good question. I think that the uh, believe that the Apostle Paul has hit the proverbial theological nail upon the head regarding your question, and when you do an exhaustive study of First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, which is the resurrection chapter, the Apostle Paul says, "If uh, Christ be not raised, our faith is in vain, and we are yet in our sins." And people are in their sins, 
uh, who deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, sad to say that uh, there are some churches that don't believe in the uh, bodily resurrection, but there's also some Bible colleges and seminaries uh, that don't, you know, some very liberal ones. And a lot of times uh, you can even go to a conservative seminary and Bible college and when you get thrown at you a lot of uh, German uh, theology, you better have a spirit of discernment because uh, most of the German theologians, and you had people like Rudolf Boltmann who demythologized uh, the Bible, and uh, that means that he said that all the Bible was composed of all myths, and he even said the the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a myth, and. And there's a lot of students going to seminaries, and they believe that stuff, and and Bible colleges. And the reason why, because they've never been discipled in a lot of their churches. Because if you don't have a foundation in your church and you go to a liberal seminary or a seminary that uh, may be conservative, throwing a lot of stuff at you, you, you better have a foundation. I was teaching one time and uh, at a seminary, and uh, it was a well-known seminary. And I was uh, teaching on the deity of Christ, and uh, Rick was there with me. And one student uh, got up and said, uh, Dr. Buckner, Jesus never did claim to be God. And this is a student that goes to a, a well-known uh, Bible seminary. So I realized that he didn't have a foundation uh, in the church that he came from, you know. And Sunday school is so vital. You know, we can't just learn in Sunday school about David killed Goliath, and learn about Samson and, and all those things. We've got to start teaching people uh, the truth of the gospel in, in our Sunday schools and in our Bible uh, cl- classes and Bible studies in, in church on Wednesdays. And how often do you ever hear uh, uh, during the Wednesday night Bible study a pastor giving a teaching on the deity, the bodily resurrection, the atonement, and the essentials of the historic Christian faith? Now, I want to add this, too that the reason why people do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is because it says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the Apostle Paul said, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine within them. Satan has blind people spiritually and psychologically. Uh, Then the second reason why they don't believe is because Jesus laid it out in John chapter 3 when he says they don't come to the light because men love darkness rather than the light lest their deeds may be manifest it's not that the, that there's there's not enough evidence that's overwhelming evidence uh Josh McDowell says evidence demands a verdict we got evidence that comes out of people's ears but why don't they believe why don't they want to come Because Jesus said men love darkness more than the light. It's because they love their sins. The evidence is there. And their eyes have to be open. Their ears have to be open. And the other thing is this. Stephen, the first uh, martyr in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 7, he lays out something so powerful. He was the first apologetic martyr. And he says in Acts chapter 7, that the reason why you resist the Holy Spirit, 
He told all those religious leaders, the reason why you resist the Holy Spirit is because you're stiff-necked. And they didn't like what he was saying. And they were talking about God is in the temple. He said, no, God don't dwell in a temple made with hands. You see, we think that a building is where is is God. No, the body of Christ is the church, not a building. And uh, so we get into tradition and rituals and all those things. Now, uh, so Stephen, when he told them that, you know, you're stiff-necked and that's why you resist the Holy Spirit, they gnashed on him to kill him. Now, Jesus said this, this last thing I want to say. Uh, when he was talking about, you know, the rich man, and he was talking about uh, Lazarus, and, and, and then he's talking about the rich man, and then Abraham was talking to him. In Luke chapter 16, he said, even though one comes back from the dead, <laughs> even though one comes back from the dead, they still won't believe. Why? Because it's man loving his sin over the Savior. You see the two different S. He loves his sin over the Savior. That's the bottom line to it all. And until he repents of that darkness, he's never going to be enlightened to get out of that darkness. So hopefully some of that has helped you out. Oh, yeah, tremendously. Thank you, Dr. Buckner. That was wonderful. Yeah, you're welcome. It's good to hear from you again, my friend. Oh, yeah. And uh, happy Resurrection Day to you guys. And happy Resurrection to you as well and to your family. All right. God bless you. Well, this, uh, that was a good uh, question. And do we have time, enough time for another? Mm-hmm. All right, who we have next? All right, let's go to Brother CC. Looks like he's been waiting patiently. Brother CC, how you doing? Hey, how you guys doing? We are truly blessed. Happy Resurrection to you. Happy Resurrection to you, too. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, you ready for this one? All right. Uh, who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father. Alrighty, God the Father. I think that most people would say that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And you're right, because the scripture would be where? And we ask most Christians, they know what they believe but don't know why. The scripture that says that the Father raised him from the dead is Galatians 1 and 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father that raised him from the dead. So that's knowing what you believe and knowing why, Galatians 1 and 1. But I want to add to this, this, and this is very important for you to make note of and write down, and for people out there listening. Not only did God the Father raise him from the dead, but God the Son raised himself from the dead. How do we know that? John two nineteen through 21. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, 46 years was this temple in building, and won't thou rear it up. He spake of the temple of his, the Greek word for body is soma, S-O-M-A. And then in John 10, 17, and 18, Jesus said, no man taketh my life. I lay it down of myself, and I have the power to take it up again. That's a personal pronoun. So uh, the Father raised him up from the dead. Jesus raised himself up from the dead. What about the Holy Spirit? Yes, the Holy Spirit did too, Romans 8 and 11. But the Spirit of him that dwells in you, that raised up Christ from the dead, also will raise your mortal body as well. So he, the Holy Spirit raised up Jesus from the dead as well. And then you put all three of those distinct persons 
together in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, and it says, and God raised them from the dead. So anytime that question is asked you, I know in the future you'll say the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Oh, yes, yes. I, yeah, you're definitely right. I've seen that like a long time ago, and I was just looking at the scriptures and stuff, so you're definitely right. Amen. Always good to know, and that's a good informative thing for the listeners tonight as well. Yes, you have a, a prayer tonight. Um, I had a question to ask, but if you don't have if you don't, if you don't have time to answer, if if you if, it's, if you load it up, I could ask you, I could ask you next week, and you could just do the prayer. If, 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 and, you know, okay. What, what's what's your what's your question, and where's your you have a scripture with it? Yes, First John three nine. First John. All right, three, nine. Okay, and you have your Bible there. Yes, I do. All righty, let's uh, let me get to that passage there, First John three, and uh, verse uh, nine. Well, why don't you uh, read First uh, John uh, three and verse uh, nine? Uh, it says, um, "Who ever has been born of God does not sin." For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a very popular scripture that a lot of the, um, some of the uh, perfectionists use to say that you can get to the point where you can uh, not sin, right? And... Uh, and then also John Wesley, the father of the Methodist movement, talked about uh, a person reaching the state of uh, instant perfection. Well, it would contradict First John 1 and I, because he said that we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When it says, whosoever has been born of God does not sin, that's not the best translation That's the old King James, but in a modern translation and in the Greek, it says, whosoever is born of God does not practice sin habitually. In other words, they don't do it in a habit form. So that's what it means. And for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin, which means he cannot sin habitually because he's born of God. So the key word is practicing it habitually, which is a modern translation would say, uh, and in the Greek it also says that as well. So that's very important for you to put those two together because there's no way that a person can be sinless, you know, because we are sinners saved by grace. But it's uh, talking about when we've really been born of God, we're not going to sin as a means of practice because we're going to repent of that sin and God is going to give us the strength to not practice it on a habitual level. Thank you. Amen. So hopefully that helps you out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. Very good. Very good. And um, uh, do you have a uh, prayer request as well? Uh, yeah. Um, if you could just uh, continue to pray for me and my family. And I've got this, this pressure on my head again. If you pray for around that. My mother, Rosa, Linda, and, and however you guys feel free to pray for my family. Then I just want to look up a couple of celebrities. I want to, if you could pray for um, LL Cool J, um, for his salvation, and uh, the singer Justin Timberlake, 
And then if you keep Queen Latifah lifted up, because her mother just passed away not too long ago, so I know she's pretty have, she's having a pretty hard time. She had heart failure, so I want to lift her up. All right, and we need to pray for her as well because of the type yeah. of lifestyle that she's living. Yeah, she needs deliverance from that. Yes. Okay, we're going to have Brother Gary to pray for that prayer request. All right. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. You've been such a good God to us. And, Lord God, on this eve of Resurrection Sunday, Lord God, we just bring these requests to you. We lift up Brother Cece and his health and this issue with this ongoing pressure, Lord God, that you relieve the pressure. You are more than a good doctor. You are a great physician, and you've never lost a case. So, Lord, we just pray that you would touch him from the crown of his head to the bottom of his soul. We pray for his family, his mother, Rosalinda, Lord God, and that you keep her and the rest of the family safe. We, uh, we lift up these celebrities, LL Cool J, Justin Timberlake, Queen Latifah. Lord God, that you would just surround these folks, Lord God, with folks that will bear witness to the fact that you are the living and true God and that they can have peace, that they can have salvation, that they can have victory in their lives as a result of believing upon you, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Cece, for calling. Did you also hear the message tonight? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Well, you, you, you stay on uh, because I think they don't have any more callers, or do we? We do. Okay, we have one more caller. You stay on for a little bit after the commercial. We're going to ask you what you got out of it, and then we're going to get to Deborah. Brother Gary. All right, it's time for us to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Barry, a pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Once again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for this ministry because it's definitely a prayer-driven ministry. Without your prayers, we know we would not have been on the air as long as we have been. And it's through your prayers and it's through your financial support that we are still on the air. And we thank you tremendously for that. Um, it's so important that you remain faithful in your prayers, remain faithful in your giving. We need your consistent prayers. We need your consistent giving to be able to continue to be on the air week to week, giving out God's word and uh, God's teaching. So it's important that you continue to pray for us, continue to be faithful in your giving. There's two ways you can donate. Send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Go onto your smartphone, your laptop, your tablet, and go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate those announcements, and uh, let's get back to Cece. Cece, you there? Uh, yes, I am. All righty. What did you get out of the word tonight? Uh, for you, um, I got a lot out of the word, but I want to mention just a few things. Um, I never saw that, like when you said how the first G was mentioned in the, in the beginning, and then you mentioned, you know, um, the Garden of Gethsemane, and then you mentioned the pet passage in uh, John uh, ten with, with Jesus Christ, and I never saw it like that. But what was interesting to me is the more that you mentioned those G's, the more that I my focus was more toward Christ. And um, I believe that's, a, you know, of course, that's God's goal, because the more that you mentioned the letter G, the G here, G there, especially when you talked about the Garden of Gethsemane and how 
Jesus uh, was praying, you know, in uh, agony. You know, he, he prayed more earnestly. My, my focus was more on Jesus Christ. And I even began to, I even thought about that passage when Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So all of those things, I kept thinking, resurrection, Jesus Christ, Jesus, this and that. And so it was, it was like, it was like it opened it up more by you mentioning those G's. I never saw it like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look over that too. It's, it's, it's interesting and even how you summed it up in the book of G, um, Revelation. I mean, so it was, I mean, it really had me focused and uh, it really encouraged me. And I'm really gonna focus even more, looking at learning more about you know his Christ resurrection and and you know just basically what he did. It's Amen. Very encouraging. Yeah, very good. Uh, you know, you always give uh, good feedback, and it, that is true. It all points to Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. All four G's point to Jesus as uh, you can throw in a fifth a fifth G. He's God, and it all points to him. And uh, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. So thank you so much for um, you know, you being with us as well as uh, giving some input. And God bless you and your family, and we trust that you'll have a blessed resurrection time. Uh, God bless you, too. I want to ask you just a quick question. I mean, why is it, I've noticed, too, that a lot of these pastors that are like 45 years old, they're doing a pretty poor, poor job in ministry, and they've actually led a lot of the stuff from these rapper, rappers like Lil Wayne and, you know, and Too Short. They let, they let this kind of stuff come inside of the church, and, 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 and people are getting more corrupt by this. Why, why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the answer to a lot of that is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, because if you do a study of that, it talks about before the man of sin, the son of perdition comes, the Antichrist. Uh, the Apostle mm-hmm. Paul says that there will be a falling away, uh, a great falling away before the man of sin is revealed. Now, the word falling away uh, fits into, or it means in the Greek, apostasy, and that you're going to start to see um, more and more churches becoming more liberal, things that you're talking about taking place, and denying the bodily resurrection and a lot of other things, because God has always preserved a remnant and a small remnant, and that's why Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, broad is the way to destruction, and narrow is the way. It's a narrow thing. Then he said, very few make it therein, you know, and we better make sure. You know, I always tell people this, and I want everybody to listen to me when I say this to you, because I'm talking to everybody that's listening to this, this program tonight. You better make sure and know that you know that you know that you've been born again. George Whitfield, a great evangelist in the 1800s or so, early 1900s, early 1800s or so, uh, was preaching every Sunday in his church. You must be born again. You must be born again. He preached it to his congregation every Sunday. You must be born again. And they got tired of him preaching that every Sunday. This is a true story. He got tired of him preaching that every Sunday. And so what they did was the board got together and they simply said, Mr. Whitfield, you need to change your text. And he looked at all of them and said, 
I'll change my text when you've been born again. <laughs> That's when I'll change my text when you've been born again. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one thing to say that you are a, a Christian and to say that you are born again. But if there is no uh, evidence, you know, John said, bring forth the fruit of repentance. You know, he went a step beyond just you people using the linguistical terminology of I am a Christian, I am a believer. He went as far as saying, bring forth the fruit of repentance. I mean, there has to be some evidence that you are changed, you are saved. And you you can't just say, I am a Christian. Uh, I am a believer. You Discipleship has to do with a person being a follower of Christ. And that's the bottom line, because when you look at Matthew chapter 7, Jesus laid us it all out. He says, in that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons? Did I not perform many mighty works? And he will profess to them that he never knew them. Now, this is people in the church. They're like Judas. You know, Judas Iscariot, some of them. They're in the church, but they're not in Christ. You see, they got their names on the church list, but not in the Lamb's Book of Life. They are informed, but not transformed. And if we're going to truly be born again, you better show some type of fruit and evidence that a changed life has taken, taken place. And you got to be a follower of him. You can't just say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. No. Evidence. There's got to be some type of fruit in your life. If it's not and other people don't see it, then you may have a straight ticket straight to that place called hell. And hell has meaning in it. Uh, you know, H means it's going to be hot down there. E means it's going to be everlasting. The first L means it's going to be a low place. And the last L, a lonely place. And Leo Daniels preached that famous sermon, What in Hell Do You Want? And you, we better be thinking about those things because once the breath is taken from you, there's no way out of it. And I believe Billy Graham said God's going to have some spiritual videotapes. And all those who've been exposed to the gospel, they're going to have no excuse because excuses don't excuse. They only accuse. All right, my brother, thank you so much for your time with us. And we're going to get to Deborah, but God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You're welcome. All right. Let's quickly go to Deborah. Deborah, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? Well, we're truly blessed, and happy resurrection to you. Happy resurrection to all of you. Gary, it's so good to have you back again. It's good to be back. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I was low down. <laughs> I love all of you very, very much. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Well, we love you very much as well, and... Uh, soon my wife gets a little bit better, and Rick, uh, they've been going through some transitions, and and Gary as well, but soon we get on our feet and get a little bit better. Uh, we haven't forgotten you. We're going to try to get by there and see you and bring you a, a meal at the same time and have some fellowship with you. So uh, you have not been forgotten. We're always praying for you, and we're with you in spirit in the meantime. Brother, I have something to say about Life? Life? Is the author of life. Uh huh. Both natural and spiritual life. He's not the author of death or any sickness, disease, and infirmity. And that's the hope of the resurrection that God has eternal life for us. 
both in this life and in the life to come, but we have to repent and, and make it personal. And until we make it personal, it doesn't become ours. That is so true, because a lot of people have religion, but they don't have a relationship, and they got to have that personal relationship with the Lord. You're so right with that, Deborah, and we agree with you, and that's what uh, true discipleship is all about. You know, uh, that's why 269 times the word disciple is mentioned in the Bible, and the word Christian is mentioned three times. What does that tell you? Jesus is simply saying, you know, make sure that you not only have, you know, we, we live in a world where Jesus wants us to make sure that we have uh, assurance. There's a lot of people have insurance, but they don't have assurance. And we better make sure we know him. And we better make sure that we've been washed in the blood. And we better make sure that we are walking with him because uh, many are called, but few are chosen. And we want to make sure that we are one of those chosen uh, and that's why he told Nicodemus, you well, must be born again. Brother Buckner, there's a difference between being chosen and frozen. Uh, I don't want to be frozen in religion. <laughs> now, you're, now you're preaching now. That's a, that's a sermon right there. Yeah. <laughs> chosen and frozen. I like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can use that whenever you want to. <laughs> I will use that one. I like that one right there. You, The Lord threw you, took it to another level. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, God bless you. We're getting ready to uh, come to a close, and uh, look like we might have a time for uh, another person. Is that no? Deb- that's that's Deborah's comment. She says you need to write a book with acronyms. Acronyms. Amen. <laughs> well, she's been on me for that for the longest, and I gotta eventually do that. And thank you for your reminder because that's uh, really really important that that we get reminded with those things. So thank you so much. As if if those short statements really make a difference and they stick in your mind and heart. So Amen. That's why the, those words are so important. Thank you so much. I'm going to share this with you before we go to uh, come to a close. There was a guy who uh, was coming to our church and he had stopped coming uh, because he allowed his mother to influence him. He's uh, in his 50s, but yet uh, he has a little disability, but not a big one. But his mother was distracting him. So one of the things that uh, he told me, he said he, he saw me at Safeway, and he came running over to me, and he said, uh, Dr. Buckner, Dr. Buckner, he said, I was sitting still, and all of a sudden a voice spoke to me out of nowhere and said, why aren't you in church? You better get back in church. I said, glory be to God. You know that God has a mighty way of getting to us, and there are people in Iran, Iraq, who come to know the Lord. There are Muslims uh, who come to know the Lord because Jesus appears to them in dreams, and they become awakened by the appearance of Jesus in their dream. Oh, he has a way to get to us. And we better listen because he's trying to speak to us every day in one way or another. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for your call, and God bless you and keep you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. All righty. Thank you for your call. Brother Gary, we have about a minute, and I'm going to have you to summarize everything and around this message and, and bring it home. How did it minister to you and, and, and talk to us? Well, you know, Dr. Buckner, you, you've hit the 
<laughs> the proverbial nose on the nail on the head with with the issue of you know the resurrection is such a powerful powerful truth and if Christ be not raised from the dead we are yet in our sins there's just no denying it you know if we cannot do it ourselves people try to to uh work their way to heaven but there's only one way and that's through the blood of Jesus so it's so so critical that we understand this this important truth and also understand how to communicate it properly. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553. Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. My name is Gary Bell. May God richly bless you and have a blessed Resurrection Sunday tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.